This is the More Than Work podcast, where we talk all about how to gain more satisfaction in your job. It's possible to enjoy your life and your work, because business is personal. Hey, More Than Workers, have you ever switched jobs? Have you ever gone from one job to another and you bring this wealth of knowledge from job A into job B and you're trying to influence job B with the knowledge from job A, but you run into some resistance? Have you ever been on a team where you've had the right answer to changing something, but you have trouble getting those changes implemented? You start to meet resistance from the other team. You start to hear, hey, I'm sick of hearing about that other place that you are at. Have you ever had such a great idea that you absolutely loved and were excited about implementing, but the people around you were not as excited about it as you were, and you could not get them excited about it. That's going to be the topic of our podcast today. We're going to talk about change and not just how we all have to change. I think everybody recognizes that we evolve as companies and there's new normals and things like that out there, but really on a more fundamental way, you as a leader, which could be as an employee inside of a team or as a manager, or even as an owner of a company, want to implement something new. If you want to change something, how do you bring people along with you? Why do you even want to bring people along with you? Why not just dictate the change? Why not just do it yourself? We're going to talk about the right way and the wrong way to lead change within an organization. We're joined here today with Matt and Diana and Bethany. Matt, why don't you take us away? All right. Thanks, Don. And I love the story here. They're not even a story, but the setup as far as what we're talking about with change, because this is so relatable, such a relatable topic to everybody. It doesn't matter what role you're in or what position you're in. I think we've all had those conversations like, man, if I was running this place, this would be the first thing that I change around here, right? This would be the first thing I'd do. And we ask that question, honestly, when we get to survey some people on the inside, if you were the boss for the day, what would you do? And it's funny that people don't have a shortage of ideas or thoughts around that. So this is a super relatable topic, but the distinction that we wanna make when we're talking about this change is, is focusing on, okay, so it all starts from a good idea, right? It doesn't, doesn't always mean it ends well, but it all starts from a place of, we, we want to create a change to be able to create improvement. Maybe it's to make my life easier. Maybe it's to make the company more profitable. Maybe it's to make the process more efficient, but it starts, we think from this, from this good, good place. But, but change is just hard. It's difficult. So I wanted to start there. And maybe in our experiences there working with other companies or maybe in the, in the many different types of interviews that we've had and feedback that we've had, change is just this difficult thing to maybe wrap our minds around or uh, maybe not even our minds, maybe our emotions under because we are tied to a certain place already and which makes change hard. So from your experience, what is it? What do you guys think? What makes change hard? Why do people struggle with this? There's no wrong answer, by the way. Hey, Diana, what do you think? So I don't know about everybody else, but for me personally, change is really hard because I feel like it messes with my routine and my efficiency. And I kind of get in this really great groove and I can do things really quickly. And if you change something in that, then it slows me down. And that slowing me down really bothers me. The other thing is that I feel like I am exceptionally good at figuring out the best way to do something and the best process for something. And so when someone wants to change it, it feels like they're attacking my ability to create good process and good procedure and good order. And so I also don't love that. And most yeah. people have no idea that all of those things are happening in my head when anybody mentions change, but that is very much what's going on. 
No, I know that. That's why I mentioned change to you most of the time. That's why I just want to change as many things as possible. <laughs> oh, mean to me. Don, how about you? I've got a good story about change. When I was, when I used to work in, I worked in two different corn plants early in my career. And I often talk about those experiences because they were very different plants. At the first plant we had, there's, there's thousands of pumps that are on the first levels of these, of these plants. So these, these plants are these huge facilities and these pumps are pumping liquids and stuff all over the place. And these pumps had oilers on them and they, the oilers had to keep filled with oil to keep the pumps lubricated. At the first plant I was at, the oilers were located on the tops of the pump and they were made of glass that was really clear. So as a supervisor, I could walk through the first floor of the, the buildings that we were at and you could just scan across the room and you could see the oilers, whether they were full of oil or if they had leaked and they had gone empty. If they leak, they go empty. And if that isn't fixed quickly, then the pump actually will tear itself up and you have to get a new pump. When I switched to the second corn plant, they had a different type of oiler on there and you couldn't see whether the oil was in the, it was in there or not. So whenever you scanned across the room, you couldn't tell what, which pumps needed oil or not. And they were tearing up pumps left and right at this new plant. So it's a really easy solution, a really easy change of we should change out these oilers to this new oil, to this new clear glass oilers. So I went my first couple days in this new facility, I went to uh, the plant manager and I just said, boy, we need, we need to change. The, your pumps are really messed up. I said, your pumps are really messed up. And by the way, you're, I hope you're, I see Matt already taking notes because I think you're all picking up on the, the bad approach to this. I'm like, your pumps are really, really bad. Like we need to replace all these oilers like immediately with these glass oilers so we can see what the heck's happening. Otherwise I can't tell what's going on. I can't, I can't right. save you money. We've got to change this right away. Yeah, well, good step. Good, good rule number one, by the way, find the person who created the existing process and degrade it to their face. Got it. Yeah, yeah. it was actually the boss of the person that created the existing process, which is even probably <laughs> worse. Off to a good start. In, in some ways, because then that comes back around. And Don says we have to change out all these oilers and this pump, these pumps. Oh, that's ridiculous. Don doesn't even know where the bathroom is yet. Like, why is he... Why does he know that we're going to re replace these? Right. So the, at the end result for that, for the first several months I was there is the plant did not replace anything. We didn't replace any of those oilers and any of those pumps for quite a while. And then I would still have to deal with running those departments of watching pumps get torn up and having to replace couplings and things like that because of something that was simple, that was really preventable. So that got me really negative and down on the team and on the plant and everything when really maybe there was a different way I could have approached it. There's something inbred in terms of humans to resist change if it's not brought up the right way. We know that one of those things is autonomy. We are fundamentally motivated by liking to make an impact on the world around us. We want to make an impact. You know, another way of saying that is people own what they help to create. If I didn't help to create that, I don't own that. We were joking around before jumping on here that if I told everybody, hey, after dinner, every night, you all have to eat a brownie. Every night, eat a brownie. It won't take long before that brownie starts to not taste so good because it wasn't your idea for the brownie. So we as humans are hardwired to want to have some say in the things that happen to us, even if it's something good that happens to us. So I know that's part of that, but change is difficult. Yeah, and I think that, I think you touched on that too. Some people, for some people, if it's not my idea, then it's a bad idea. If I didn't think of it, then it's a bad idea. And then I'm just not gonna, especially if you didn't ask for my input while you were doing it, I don't even, I don't even care. It's a bad idea and I don't even wanna be involved. And I honestly, I kind of hope it fails. I think about that story and you think about the mindset, the way that I presented that to other people, what were they thinking? They were not thinking about the oilers or the pumps. They were thinking about me 
And who's this new guy that just came in here and he's only been there for a couple of days and he's telling us we need to replace all of our pumps and yeah. re, re, put these new oilers on there. What's he talking about? He doesn't know anything about the process. He doesn't know us. And then he doesn't go to, he, I didn't go to my boss and tell him that I went to my boss's boss and told him that. And like, yeah. Hey, it's a good thing I'm here. It's a good thing you called me. Yeah. We talk about that as consultants a lot. We can't go into your business. Imagine you hire us to come in and help you to convert your culture. And we show up on the first day and we come in and say, it's a good thing we're here. Let me tell you what you got to change. You need right. to change this. You need to change this. You've been doing this all wrong. Move this over here. Move this person over here. Do this. It doesn't even matter whether we're right. You would have resistance to that feeling, right? So there's yeah. a natural resistance. I think, it, I think it's also interesting. Bethany, I'm going to come to you next too. I think it's interesting to kind of think about their thought. Like you just said, what were they thinking? They were probably thinking like, oh yeah, let, let's spend a ton of money replacing the Oilers. That clearly we already have Oilers. Let's spend a ton of money replacing that. We'll shut everything down so we can take time to replace that. Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. But it, you know, they're so short-sighted because, because of the approach to that, which we'll get into in just a minute. Again, Bethany, change, hard, why? Yeah, well, it is, it's hard to be the new person coming in and trying to create change, like Don was saying. I even think about, you know, I think about other like supervisors that I've had come in in previous jobs who were, you know, they're coming in, they're trying to make an impact, they're trying to make positive changes in their mind, or like you said, something that they've maybe learned in a previous role or something like that. And it's just like, it's just not working for some reason. And it's like, like I had one, I had one supervisor come in and she was very great. Like she was, she was great. I think she had probably read a lot of leadership books and she was like high energy. And she started just like calling her team. She called us elites. Like that's how she like wrote all of her emails to us. And I think we were all like, Ooh, <laughs> why is she doing that <laughs> and you know it's like not even a bad thing it's, it was just different and really weird it just wasn't the culture that was there already and you know similarly in another in another job I had another new supervisor who had come in and she was just like she just went in really really hot and was like this is what the goal is and if nobody meets it then you're all fired and it was like whoa 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 <laughs> that's not great either. And so like both of them had an idea of how they wanted to lead and maybe what had been what they had learned from previous jobs or previous leaders or whatever of like, this is how you do it. And it just didn't come off well in either of those cases. And that's just, I don't know, I think you have to, you have to learn, spend some time learning the culture before you can start jumping in and trying to change things because what worked in your last role is not necessarily going to work in this culture, in the new culture. Yeah. And I think uh, that also kind of leads us to another story that I wanted to share on this uh, topic as well, especially being a new leader, because they're, we're only looking at it from the negative effect, right? Somebody tries to institute change, they do it the wrong way, which we'll talk more about that in just a moment, but it comes from a positive place. We're working with another organization now somewhere in the country. Won't disclose any more than that, but this new leader is ambitious and they want to make change. And, and a lot of times what they're trying to do, by the way, and this is a freebie, maybe one of those stop it's like, we did on a recent podcast, but one of the things that we try to do is institute change to make the new place like the old place where I just left. And that doesn't always work because the players on the field are different. And we don't take time to be able to recognize the team that we're now working with. And maybe that's not the right change to be able to institute there. So this leader that we're working with is, is, is kind of the same way. They're trying to institute the change. They made one adjustment. They had to let somebody go. Somebody else also left and followed that person. 
And at that point, I think one of the, you know, a, a leader might go, hey, wait a second, maybe, maybe there's a different approach that I should probably try here. And I understand we have to hold the line consistently, but, but I think there's, a, there's an ebb and a flow and a give and a take uh, to, to that concept too. But this, this uh, sometimes, you know, especially if we are convicted that this, we are doing the right thing, we hold that line as far as change is concerned, going, going, no, 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 they need to adapt to me. I don't need to change to them. And we can take that way too far. And now you're really behind the eight ball of wanting to create any more change going forward. And so let's, let's kind of talk about that. And guys, let's use ourselves as an example. You want to? Let's look inwardly because sometimes, you know, I get it from the outside looking in. They're like people centric, man, these guys, they have it all figured out. They have all the answers. Like I just, just want to, I would like to work at that place because that is a well-oiled machine, which we are, and we do for the most part, but we have hiccups just like any other, uh, just like any other uh, company there. Yeah. Don is holding one of his awards right there. We have awards falling out of our pockets here, people, but no, I, I digress. We have things that we need to work on as well. And so let's talk about this. Let's talk about what this, what this looks like here. So guys, let's use ourselves as an example and see how, you know, if other people can relate. So think of some things, you know, within our company, what are some of the things that, that you would change personally? And maybe we don't have to think of the individual process, but yes or no, are there some things within the company that, man, if you didn't have to manage the people here, quote unquote, you would totally make some of these changes and we would be so much better for it. Diana cannot wait to unmute herself to be able to come into this conversation. I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. You guys, whenever you're ready, I got thousands of things on my list. And if I didn't have to worry about like you and Don mucking everything up, I totally go for it. Well, if it, you know, and this is where the adage comes into play too. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Some people get caught up into that, but there are some maybe different, better ways that we could approach some things. Diana, we'll engage that later. Thank you. All right. So we probably all have some different things that we would, we would want to change. I know Diana said that she has thousands of things and maybe Don's list is longer or shorter or Bethany and I, I'm sure we have some things that we would like to change too. I'm not so much as interested in what is that particular thing, but let's walk down the road just a little bit and say, okay, so what What's the, maybe the right approach versus the wrong approach? And if it's okay with you, can we do the wrong approach first? I don't care what the change is, right? I don't care what the change is. We're not, ta- we're not, you know, talking about a specific process, but what are some things that you can do that would be the wrong approach to create the change that you feel is necessary? Diana? Well, I feel like I do the wrong approach a lot because I'm like, I'm just going to take care of it. I'm just going to fix it. I'm just going to change it. And I'm not going to tell any of you why or how, like, I'm just going to change it. And then when I've changed it, I'll expect you to know exactly how to do it. Yes. And I can actually think of, by the way, can I use an example here? You didn't bring a specific, but let me just, I'm going to reveal the curtain for a lot of the people listening all over the world right now, but technology is wonderful, right? Technology is great. However, too much technology And sometimes you can outsmart yourself. Sometimes guys, I'm just being honest, we struggle with this internally. And maybe it's, maybe, maybe it's an I instead of we here. And you can tell me if I'm, if I'm wrong or not, but we have so many different places where we save files and save notes and save attachments and then different ways that we attach things to different things and discussions and chats. And there are so many freaking different methods of saving files and whatnots for all of the wonderful clients that we, that we, that we uh, work with and we have the opportunity to work with that sometimes I'm just going to be honest with you. you. Sometimes I just, 
I just, you know, shut it down, right? Or I'll call Diana and be like, can you please tell me where this is? And Donna, I don't want to mean to throw Donna under the bus, but Don just went through and did a great job with our, our teams, right? Reorganized everything, but then we never had a meeting that talked about how Don went through and reorganized everything. So I couldn't find even my simplest travel information there either, right? Diana. Don sent a very detailed email about how to reorganize your teams. You, I didn't, our I didn't see information that. is labeled travel information in the channel. I didn't say, I didn't, I, I said have a meeting. We didn't have a meeting about it. That's a very That's different. True. Stay with me. So, so yeah, it's a very different, it's a very different thing, right? Don, this has now turned into my favorite podcast ever. Can now we just. Now it's an intervention. Now it's, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're picking up here how different personalities and different communication styles, right? <laughs> Handle change in different ways for sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, doing it your, on your own and launching something is a good way to leave people behind for sure. I, I think another way is to, when, a kind of a variation of that is that you go, so one way is you go off and do it on your own and then tell everybody about it, which is definitely what happened on the technology side. I'll, I will admit that like, what Matt's talking about on the filing, like we just changed it and then told everybody. We changed it and then told everybody. It's not that it weren't conversations. It's not that it even wasn't thought out. It's just that we just changed it and didn't tell anybody. So Matt feels like there's a thousand places to put stuff. And some of that's probably because he's not doing some of it right, because there should really be only one place to put stuff. But we never did have a meeting or sit down. And I haven't got sat down with Matt specifically to say, like, show me where you're putting all that stuff. So we didn't manage that change very well. So that's a good way to mess it up is to not think about the process of changing itself. If yeah. we're going to change it, how are we going to launch it to everybody? How do we communicate it to everybody? How do we hit all those different styles of people? I did like I, I did send out in that example, a long email that went out, but we also know very well documented that Matt does not read long emails. It struggles with that. That's not his style. I think, I think that, everyone on this podcast, if you're a regular listener, you know that Matt's not going to read that email. <laughs> yeah, very hard. It's very hard. And, you know, think about this, like, I don't know, some people that are listening, might work for a company that has 10,000 people. You know, we're, we're a party of four. And if you think of this, maybe this is, maybe, you know, we would be the equivalent of some leadership team in a bigger company that then makes the decision as us as, as four and then never tells the vast, which I'm laughing through that, but we see that all the time. That happens all the time. It's made as a, you know, the decision is made as, as the small group. And then we're like, this is great. This is awesome. And then it's never relayed, which is part of the wrong way that we do it as well. We don't, we don't fill in the gaps to the other people. And here's the other thing. We might fill in the gaps by telling them the end result of that meeting. One of the wrong ways that you can approach this change is that you tell them the end result. This is what we're doing from now on. They were not a fly on the wall in all of those meetings that led to all of the different planning stages and the trial and error with other different things that led to this final decision, right? That led to this ultimately going this direction. So they, they weren't privy to all of those Well but why are we going? And if we're missing the, but why it's very hard for people to follow change done. So sometimes leaders will take what Diana, I'm not going to say Diana's approach, but Diana's pretty collaborative on stuff. But if what the approach that Diana laid out, a lot of leaders will take to avoid all of those negative conversations. So why are we doing this in the first place? And I don't want to fight through all of this, but two things is that happen whenever you do involve other people is one is you get to work through those conversations which does bring out details and flaws in the change and allows you to do the change, execute the change better. I could think of when I was working for a manufacturer, they decided to change printers and how we had printers and where we had printers. And they literally just showed up in the 
cloak of darkness one night and we're stealing printers from people's offices. Like they were just taking them away. And they took our printer. They're going to take our printer. Now we fortunately had a heads up from the IT department that they were going to take our printer and we needed the, like we used the printer. We used the printer and needed the printer where we were at. So we actually hid the printers from IT. <laughs> like we literally great. hid them into a locked cabinet so that they didn't have them. And then they came back and then we like pulled the printers out later when they were gone. Like we literally did that because we just weren't bought into the change. But if we had been engaged in that change, we would have been able to really make a good case of why we still needed the printers where they were at. So that's one thing. But the second thing is just once you decide to change something, it's a lot of work to change filing or change printers or those changes that are out there. That's a lot of work to be able to do that. But it's even more work is to convince everybody that you were right in that change and to get everybody on board with it so that they execute it. So like the problems we're having in the filing systems internally that, that I know we're still having issues with that because I still see the issues with that. That's something that could have been, we, we could be done with that if we had changed that in a different way. If yeah. we had changed that and, and executed that better up front, then we, everybody would be, it would save a lot of headaches moving forward. Everybody be bought into it and it would have saved a lot of headaches. So sometimes that little bit of the work and the headache up front, that's why we encourage leaders to do it better, you know, the next time. So we don't just, so we don't disclose maybe the, why it is that we're changing the printers or why it is that this is a better, better decision for us. We also, you know, one of the other wrong ways to be able to go about doing this is that we don't involve the people that are going to be directly impacted by this change. You know, one of the things that we like to do with organizations, we establish what we refer to as a core team, this cross-functional group of people that are from different departments, different levels. They're the, they're the advocate, they're the voice of their area. So as we're launching projects, then we want to work with the people from those areas that are going to be directly impacted by that. And sometimes what we see is that that, that change is created and there's not a person in the room that is going to be in that department that this change is going to directly impact. And it's very hard. Again, some people might be listening going, but why do I need to? Like, I already know the process. I already know how to change the process. The need to is because of the lack of buy-in that you're about to get from that department. It might be dead in the water. Again, it might be a brilliant idea, but if I don't engage them up front in being a part of that, then the then the engagement of that department or team or person is going to be very, very limited. Yeah. You were talking about mistakes, Matt. I think another mistake then, if we get kind of dialing the spectrum of like why the leader takes on this change himself. Yeah. The other one is the leader takes credit for the change. Oh yeah. That's, That's a, a big mistake. And I think my pump example, my oiler pump example was an example of that where I came in and it was like, I used to work at this other facility that's way better than this one. And we used to do things way better than this. And so now we're going to make these changes. I think I saw a lot of resistance to the change because they saw me not be humble about it. <laughs> it was, it was look at how great I am. And I think that's a mistake. If you really want to drive change and not make it successful, just take total ownership of it and say like, no, this is on me. I'm changing this. This is because of my great idea. Right. Or say things like, don't you know who I am? Or haven't you heard my name before? Those types of things. Like that's probably not good. I used to work for a company called 3M. Ever heard of it? They used to do some good things. So maybe I don't want to be a jerk, but right. maybe you should listen to me on how we do systems and things. Right. And you know, and it's funny, and hopefully, you know, to the listeners, it's relatable. But these are the I and mean, we hear these things all the time. I used to do all of those things in my previous job. No, 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 no. I know it's not my job now, but I already know how to do that job because I did it at my previous job and I was good at it, right? I mean, I could do those things. I'm totally capable of doing those things. And so I should just go ahead and do it. I should just create that change then. So, you know, you hear you hear those types of things too. So any other wrong ways that you would throw out there before we transition to the right way? I, I think one more is that, and again, I'm going down, I'm walking my mind down the spectrum is 
running out too far ahead of everybody else with even why the change is there. So like, if you're going to start with a change, I think starting with why is really important on the good side of that. So don't, don't give any context, just suddenly show up and say, we're changing everything. We're going to change everything. I've seen that happen a lot of times in my career because something on the outside changes, maybe employees aren't aware of it, or, you know, a cost of something goes up like in manufacturing or a customer needs something different and you just start changing things and you forget to tell everybody why the heck you're changing in the first place. Then everybody has all this pain. And it's associated with, I don't, I don't know what it's associated with. So I forgot why yeah. we're doing it. So don't you know, share the why, just do it. And Don, I, I, I don't want to go completely sideways on this, but man, we see this sometimes as a major flaw with strategic planning. You guys, you know, executive teams spend hours in a room talking about the different things that they want to change. And they come up with the objectives, those things they want to track down and directions that they want to go. And they're excited about it. And then they don't involve the people you know, beyond that meeting, they don't involve the people to, to help them achieve those things. To the people, it's just, man, this is disruption. This is change. Why are we doing these things? Why, how come this was this yesterday? And this is now, you know, this way today. And, and they don't know that there's a bigger overall vision that we're all trying to go for. And it's exciting. You get to be a part of it, but we didn't let you in on it, you know, at that time. And now it just feels like disruption and change, which to be honest with you is one of the reasons why I think leadership calls us where they're like, man, I don't know how to get my people motivated behind these things that I want to do. Like, I don't know. They just, they seem to be pushing back or they're going against it. Like, this is good. It's exciting. How do I get them to, to, you know, to buy into these things? And a lot of times it's that, you know, revealing the curtain or the little lack of communication that, that can really make it or break it for you. Diana. Yeah. There was a time when I worked at a company and they were switching their software and it was like a software that everyone in the company used every single day. It was a big deal. And I knew why I knew why, because I was the admin and I heard a bunch of stuff, but I knew why they were switching. But when they switched, they didn't tell anyone why they were switching. And when they asked, when the employees were like, but why are we doing this? The boss said, everyone is replaceable. Just do it. He was so set on this. Hang on. I'm writing that down. You better just do it. And I think the reason he said that was because he didn't want to change either. But the reason we were changing is because our main client was switching to this software and said, if you don't switch to this software, you are no longer our vendor. So it was like a force change for him. So then when the employees questioned it, he was very irritated that they were questioning it. He was irritated that he had to make this change. And so he just passed that along to everyone else and was like, everyone's replaceable, just do it, right? And then later I was like, why didn't you just tell them that this client is making us do that? And he was like, I don't know, I'm just mad and I don't want to do it. And so I think if he had said, listen, guys, here's the reality. Here's what's happening. Here's why we have to change. It would have gone over a thousand percent better, but he did not do that. Yeah. (laughs) So it went over really poorly and everyone was mad. Maybe people thought he would look like a pushover, you know, (laughs) very machismo. Yeah. (laughs) Machismo. I like it. All right. Let's, let's switch gears now. Let's go towards the right way. Maybe. Okay. So let's say you are that person. You've identified some things that you would potentially change. There's probably a a right approach, not to say that if you follow these steps, you're going to instantly be able to create change and it's going to be great. It's going to be super well received, but I can't be accountable for anyone other than myself. Right? So what are some of those steps that I could potentially take that are the positive way, the right way to be able to try to go about creating creating change. Who's got a good one? I'm going to start. We're going to reverse the negative things that we just said, right? So I'd start with casting a vision. There's the old idea of start with why. Why are we doing this? 
What's the issue with this? Hey team, as we're working through the pandemic, we're struggling a little bit with communication and emails and it's not really put in a good context for us. So we're exploring some different tools and we think maybe Teams might be the tool for us. So we're gonna play inside Teams, which is also gonna necessitate potentially changing how we do our file structures and everything else. But we think once we get all this work through, it's gonna give us all the communication in one place. Communicating that why in front of everybody versus just changing it and saying, hey, by the way, your files are no longer over there now that they're over here is, is, is a good start. I like it. Thanks, Diana. And then I would go on to ask a bunch of questions of the team, right? Instead of forcing something on them, ask them questions. Is this bothering you too? What things are you seeing? Do you have any ideas to fix this problem? If they're going to be working on it, they might as well work on it with you. Yeah, I like that. You know, I talked about the core team and the core team comes together to be able to, to, uh, you know, change processes or build efficiencies or, you know, things like that. They, they will launch project teams, which we refer to as step teams, to be able to create improvement. And one of the pushbacks sometimes from leadership that don't understand the process at first is, oh man, we just have to do everything that they say then? Like, no, 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 no. That's not what that is. Those step teams, what they are doing is uh, vetting ideas for improvement, whether it's to processes or, or you know, the, the, the people machine that you have going on there as well. But what they do is they create recommendations for change. They're the ones who are going to go, you know, do the homework and be able to kind of create a recommendation. This is what we want to do. Kind of like Don had talked about creative vision. This is what we want to do. But we've, we're not just saying that we want to do it because we want to do it. What we're also doing is building a recommendation. If we do it, this is what we believe the end result to be. This is maybe what that change would cost us to do. The oiler things that Don was talking about. Listen, I'm only bringing this up because it seems super efficient in our last plant that we worked with. I was able to walk through like the efficiency part. I was able to walk through and see the other efficiency part and money savings was we were able to address a problem before it came, became a problem because I could see it. I could see it visually and it saved X amount of dollars or X amount of time or X, X amount of production. Those are the types of things, especially if we are trying to create change to processes with leadership that, man, they want to hear about. What does that look like for efficiency, product, uh, production, the time, money, those types of things are, are what leadership love to hear about, especially manufacturing, by the way. Bethany. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is like, I love that John said cast a vision. That was one that I was thinking of. But then like you're kind of touching on what you're saying, Matt, is like helping people know how it benefits them too. So you're casting a vision that it's not just, it's not just what you think is really great and what's in your brain, but also like, how does it help people and how does it benefit the individuals that, that it's impacting. I said one, one other thing that I had said earlier too, was just spending time and learning the culture. I think that's another, another way to help, help change happen a little bit easier is just like spending that time and really understanding the culture that you're in, especially if you're newer to the organization, instead of just coming in strong and saying, this is how my organization was before. And this is how, and so it's going to work here too, because it probably won't work the same way. Yeah. And, and maybe what I would add to all of this too, is if I'm the employee that maybe has an idea for change, I want to offer to help drive the change. I don't want to be a raiser of concerns. This is what I say to a lot of companies. I don't want to just be a raiser of concerns, right? I, I want to also be a, a change agent at the same time. I want to be, I want to offer to, to help drive the change that it is that I'm asking for. You know, what is it that I can do to help with this? I'm not, I, I see it as an opportunity for improvement for us. Where do I fit into that? How can I help create that? And I think a lot of a lot of leadership would be open to that idea too. Don? Yeah, I think think about it like look around you and see if everybody's with you or not. If you if they're not with you, take a step back and then look for smaller buy-in. 
Like, what can I get? Like, if, if I can't get buy-in in the entire project, what can I get buy-in from? So, I mean, initially like going in, especially if you're new on a team and you haven't absorbed into the culture yet, you haven't built up any level of trust. Like the idea, the, the idea that everyone is going to suddenly follow your direction, everything that you do is not going to likely happen. So unfortunately, you're going to have to be really patient. You're going to have to really take some time. So, and this is for anybody who's switched jobs or switched departments or taken on a new management position or something like that, you're going to have to listen to this because it's really important. You may know what you want to do, but it's going to take some time. Yeah. You're going to have to build relationships. You may need to go on the listening tour. I never understood that when I heard new CEOs or new bosses, I'd hear them just come in and I was at a company one time, they got a new CEO and the CEO said, I'm, I'm going to spend the first 90 days, not even changing anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to go on a listening tour. And I didn't understand it at the time because I thought a lot of changes needed to be made and I was kind of excited, but it's really kind of brilliant. Like, I'm just going to spend some time going around having conversations. I'm going to ask some things. What's really important. You think about me going to that corn plant. If I had had conversations with my boss of saying, what things are, what things are, are you, are you struggling with here? What things could I make this better for? You know, what, what were you looking for me to bring to the table? And he may say nothing. I want nothing from you. Okay. And then you kind of back off. And then it's like, you're just looking for opportunities to bring the relationship along. It, these really are relationships. And for relationships to advance, you need to look for signals from the rest of the team that they're ready to follow where you're leading them to take little steps forward. And I like the, the listening to her idea. I think make sure you're listening without having like a rebuttal, like, like a, like, a, okay, I'm hearing you. And now let me just tell you everything that I'm going to do to make this change or whatever. I think the best thing you can do is have those conversations, ask those questions. And this is like a really practical thing, but like literally taking notes in those conversations too, because I, that sends a signal to people that you're just listening and that you're taking in information and that you're not trying to just meet with people just to like pursue your own change necessarily. There's a concept out there called motivational interviewing. And it's this idea, imagine trying to get somebody to stop smoking. The most ineffective approach you can have is to sit down with that person and say, Hey, I know you're a smoker heads up. Did you know it's bad for you? Did, let me show you all this data. Let me show you a picture of a lung that's all, you know, all darkened. Let me show you a picture of somebody who's got throat cancer. Here's all the things. That's, that's, that is not the way that you influence change from an individual person. The way that research shows that you influence change is you develop a relationship with that person and you ask them questions. And you can ask them questions like, tell me about what's important to you. Like, let me get to know you a little bit. Like, what's, well, I, I love my family. I like spending time with me. What do you like to do with your family? Oh, we like to go camping and we like to go walking around the lake and everything. I'm like, okay, that sounds great. So, so health is kind of important to you. Yeah, health is really important to me. So what kinds of things do you do for your lifestyle that helps you keep you healthy? Oh, well, I, I think I eat pretty well, but I do smoke, you know, and I know that's not good for you. Yeah, I've heard that's bad for you. Why do you smoke? And then you can, you waited for a signal for the other person to kind of open the door for you a little bit. And then you can kind of step into it and you walk the other person through the change. Like, why do you do it that way? Why have you thought about a different way of doing it? Even though you may know the exact change that needs to go through. So going back to the oiler expert, the oiler example at the plant, you know, you're trying to save money. You're trying to look for way. Hey, we've had a lot of pumps that have, you know, that are broken. And we, 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 it seems like that happens a lot. You know, what, is that an issue? Do you, do you have a problem with that? Yeah, actually we do. It's a big problem. Okay. Are you looking for ideas to fix that? Yeah, I am kind of looking for ideas to fix that. Okay. Now it's the door's kind of been open for you, but you have to do it through questions. I like what Bethany, you said, you can't do that and ask the first question and then say, and the answer is, and then drop all your cards on the table. You literally have to play the card, like one card at a time. If you play one card too early, the other person's going to actually be on resistance. And as soon as every time the Oilers got brought up, 
anytime Oilers got brought up after those first two or three days, it didn't matter. Like we had brand new, we had pumps that would throw a coupling and we had to replace the whole pump. And at that point, it's like free to put the new Oilers on. It's, it costs you nothing. And they still didn't do it. You're, you're literally like anti-changing. Like I'm going to not change this for anybody because I had played that card too early. Well, and I was, I was actually going to take it down kind of that path too, Don. Sometimes, uh, you know, one of the tips that I would have is stay patient, stay calm. Because if I see the change and I'm like, dang it, they're not listening to me. That's what takes engaged people to disengage and disengage the toxic people. Because it's all of a sudden the narrative now is like, I brought so many good freaking ideas to the leadership and nobody even cares about all the money that we're wasting here. Nobody cares about all the lost time. Nobody wants to listen to me. I'll just be here in my corner whenever you need me, right? We know those we know those people and maybe it started from, and I thought I had a good idea. Nobody listened to me. It's hard to get those folks to understand. Maybe your approach was just a little off though. Yeah. I, Matt, when you were saying that, it makes me think of an activity that we do with groups sometimes, and I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to give it away. But the this one ex- activity that we do often, it's a game. You guys know what we, what we do. And I think usually there's people that are trying to figure out how to how to win the game basically and you see the people that are trying to impact change or trying to lead the group one direction and you look it's just interesting to watch how people try to influence the group to do what they think needs to happen to win the game and I think to your point, Matt, it's just really interesting because people, some people just get really frustrated in that moment and nobody's listening to me and I'm just going to yell louder so that they'll follow what I'm doing or I'll do the, or you'll see them retreat and they're like, they're not doing what I'm doing. So I'm just going to go in this quarter and like pout or whatever yeah. it is. So it's that, yeah, it's just the, the very physical example of that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I love it. I love the example too, because I know the activity and people that are listening might not know the activity, but you can, you can hear them frustrated and you can see them frustrated at the same time as they are trying to adapt to this new change, uh, this change in behavior. So, all right, let's give a tip. You want to go around the table one more time here and just say, okay, so what are our final thoughts? And maybe it's not even a tip. What are your final thoughts around this whole idea of creating change? We talked about the right way, the wrong way. We talked about change being hard. I'll let you take it any direction you would like to. What's your final tip here on creating change, Diana? So my final thoughts on this discussion and change is that I want to encourage people to choose their battles. And what I mean by that is that sometimes really small change creates a really big ripple and people have to be in sort of a change mindset for things to work. And so if you can start small and build some buy-in and build some trust and make even the smallest change first, it might get people into this mindset of, okay, maybe we can make a bigger change next. That's good. I like it. Thank you, Diana. Bethany? Um, Be patient with change. Mm -hmm. It'll take time. I love what Diana said of just create, starting small, helping. I think it's just building trust and knowing, you know, helping people to see that maybe you really do have good ideas, but it's, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to, you're going to have to prove a little bit of that over time. And and that's not always going to be really quick. So um, kind of echoing what she's saying, but just be patient. Great. Thank you, Don. I just want to make the case for this in the first place of why do you want to change it this way? Some people might be listening to this as a boss and saying, well, I have the authority to change it. I don't care if people like it. I just don't care. 
But when people aren't really bought into the change, they don't own it. And if they don't own it, they don't execute it as well. There's just so much research that shows that if we bring along everybody, you bring the team with you, that change will happen better. It will just, it will work better. People will own it more. Think about customer service processes that get changed. You know, if you change it for people, the customer service process isn't executed well. You think about efficiencies, all those types of things. Get your people involved in the change so that they own it because then they will become engaged in that change and it will work out better for you. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to leave us with one thought here for, for the person that is trying to create the change. They have an idea for change. Before you voice it to anybody, I want you to look internally. And I want you to ask yourself a couple of different questions. First question is, okay, so if, if this change is created, what does that look like for me? And then if this change is created, what does that look like for us? And I think we should have, if I'm trying to create that change, maybe you should be able to answer both of those questions before we have the first conversation about that change in the first place. So what does this look like for me if this change is made? What does it look like for us as a group, as a team, as a department? There's a, an emotional intelligence element to this too, where some people are not about the, making the change for you or for me. It's about us and unity and harmony. What does that look like big picture? And be able to answer those two questions, I think, before you even start to have the first conversation would help you to create the change in the positive way too. So anyway, so I am going to wrap it up here. I think that's a lot of conversation around creating change in a positive and negative way. Hopefully that was useful. Hopefully you have a tip of maybe what not to do, but then also something to do as well. If you have other feedback or questions, we'd be happy to handle those as well. So have a great day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the More Than Work podcast. Join us next time. And in the meantime, lead well.